Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, yes, it is. We roll along here, Greeny, uh, presented by Progressive Insurance and super busy um, sitting here sort of in reaction to our conversation with Brian Flores and his two lawyers on Get Up right at the end of our TV show that sort of rolled right in here. And we have been doing our best to sort of organize all of our thoughts and reactions that have come from that. And then, Hembo, you pointed out to me that there's something I hadn't seen on Twitter, which I think is somewhat interesting. So let me catch everybody up very quickly on what has happened, in case you didn't see this news yesterday. Brian Flores who was a, a Bill Belichick disciple, if you will, what do you call it, a coaching tree, you know, guy. Worked his way, started out as a, the assistant special teams coach and worked his way up to being the defensive coordinator and ultimately became the head coach of the Dolphins. Had what I think can only be described as three very good seasons as their coach and then got somewhat stunningly fired a month ago. Yesterday filed uh, a suit against the NFL with very specific extremely troubling allegations against three teams in particular. And um, after filing this lawsuit, did several interviews today, including one with me on Get Up with two of his lawyers. And there are three completely separate levels to this. The allegations are very specific in three different areas. One involving a text exchange he had with Bill Belichick suggests that when the New York Giants interviewed him, Flores, in person for their vacant head coaching job, that they had already decided to hire Brian Dayball, whom they subsequently did, for that job. And thus, it was, as he describes it, a sham interview that they were going through just for the purposes of complying with the Rooney rule, to use Brian's word, quote, checking a box. So there's that. There's the Denver Broncos piece of this where he says, Brian says, that in 2019 when he was interviewing for that job, the Broncos job, that ultimately went to Vic Fangio, that a a bunch of Broncos team representatives flew to Providence, Rhode Island to meet with him and that they showed up an hour late for the interview, did not appear invested in the interview, and that they seemed to have been out drinking the night before. I, I asked him with specificity about that. He did not back down from it at all. The Broncos have vehemently denied that that took place and say they have notes that suggest otherwise. The third piece of this is that the allegation made by Brian Flores is that when he became the head coach in Miami, the owner, Stephen Ross, wanted to tank. He wanted to get higher draft picks. And I would point out that I think in the world of sports today, that isn't particularly rare. And that is to say that it happens in baseball, it happens in basketball, to a lesser degree, but I think not never, it happens in football. And that is what I would describe as organizational tanking, which means that the organization decides we're not going to do our best to field the best team we can. We're not going to get the best players. We're going to trade away players for draft picks. We're going to do things that suggest we're not going to be the best team we can possibly be this year. And I hate it. But there is a big difference between that and instructing your coaches and or players when they go out every week to try and lose. And he, Brian Flores, says the owner, Stephen Ross of the Dolphins, said he'd give him $100,000 for every game he loses. 
And the lawyers said that they had corroborating evidence of that. If that can be proved, I can't even fathom what the reaction to that will have to be. And we're trying to get a lawyer on here because I think beyond the obvious, which is he certainly can't own the team anymore, I wonder if what criminal charges might potentially be brought for something like that. Is that fraud? Is that, I mean, there's any number of things. It certainly can't be legal. So we're trying to get to the bottom of that piece. And then you pointed out that there is a tweet that I had not yet seen. Go ahead, Embo. Yeah, Greeny, uh, Hugh Jackson, who was the, the Browns coach the year they won one game in 2016 and zero games in 2017, is on Twitter. And after hearing this news of, or this allegation of Stephen Ross in Miami, he responded to a Twitter user and said, well, Jimmy Haslam, who owns the Browns, was happy while we kept losing. And then subsequently responded Wait, to... Wait, let, let, let's do that slower. Sure, sure. He tweeted, mm-hmm. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, because I haven't seen this, was happy we were losing. Was happy while we kept losing. While we kept losing. All right, keep going. He responded subsequently to another Twitter user that said, Jimmy Haslam obviously wasn't offering 100000 per loss, or Hugh would be on the Forbes list. He responded to that user and said, trust me, it was a good number. Trust me, it was a good number. So what he is... Saying, I think in no uncertain we need to get a hold of Hugh because I don't want to put words in his mouth. Twitter is a medium that leaves itself open often to misinterpretation. There's not a lot of room for nuance, but it certainly sounds like he's saying that ownership in Cleveland did incentivize him, at least offer to incentivize him. He's not saying in that that he took the money. Mm-mm but that they offered to incentivize him for losing. I will be honest with you. I've been covering sports a really long time. This is something I did not believe happened. And I should, in fairness, say I don't know now with certainty that it does. These are allegations. This is a tweet from Hugh Jackson, and this is an allegation from Brian Flores. Again, it is worth reminding you that his lawyers say they have corroborating evidence of that. I don't know what that evidence is. But if indeed this can be proven true, I will confess, and I have been accused at times by people of being naive, like just of not being willing to believe certain stuff goes on. And sometimes I'm right, and sometimes I'm proven wrong. This is one I did not believe was going on. I really didn't. I really didn't. For the simple reason that I think an owner of a football team has to understand not just the position he's putting his coach in there, but the damage he's doing to the players on the team. If he's suggesting, not suggesting, if he's instructing the coach to lose on purpose, as Dominique Foxworth said really passionately and emotionally on Get Up this morning, He's taking the hopes and dreams of these people who have put their entire lives, every player on that NFL field has put his entire life into making it to that point. And he is making a fraud of what might be the only opportunity they ever get. You wind up on a team where the coach is not trying to win. The implications of that are extraordinary. And each individual player can be impacted by that. I'm not even taking into account the the risk of injury that comes from something like that, the, the putting their bodies and their brains and everything else on the line that these players do. But just the opportunity to make a living at this sport, which is so hard to do, you know that the average NFL career is, uh, for years it was three years. I, it, maybe it still is. Maybe it's gotten even shorter. I don't know. 
It's not long. Most people do not make. Stace always asks me, did he make set for life money? Did he make set for life about players when they retire? What percentage of NFL players make set for life money in the NFL? Five, three? I mean, I don't know. But the overwhelming majority of them do not. So you're a, a fourth round pick and you get drafted by the Dolphins and they're trying to lose and you wind up looking bad as a result of it and you get cut and no one looks at you again and that's it. Now you're working in whatever it else is you might be working in and you never got your chance to play football and it wasn't fair. You didn't get a real chance. So those are the people I think of when I hear the owner forgetting the defrauding, forgetting the gambling, forgetting all the other things, the ticket holders, all of which is incredibly significant. My first thought when I hear that is of the players mm-hmm. who who many of whom, because Dominique just said it so well today, many of whom this will be their only chance at the at the one thing they have spent their entire lives in pursuit of, and it won't be real. Mm. That 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 it, it actually enrages me. Like I'm 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 holding back mm-hmm. being angry because it is important that I continue to point out. Like I, I we we must be responsible here. These are allegations. We do not know that they are true. These have not been proven in a court of law. So this is what Brian Flores is saying happened. And whether we believe him or not is up to us. But to know it with certainty is something else entirely. Mm. And the more I thought about this this morning, because obviously you know I'm a baseball guy, so I compare Mm -hmm. everything like this to the 1919 World Series that was thrown. The more I thought about this, I think if proven true this, or you know what may have happened in Cleveland according to Hugh Jackson, I think it's worse. And the reason I think it's worse is because that instructive is coming from the inside. If you're a player... If you're a baseball player 100 years ago and you know, these hucksters, these gamblers come to you and say, we'll pay you more money if you lose the World Series, that's one thing. If your boss, the person that's cutting your actual check that works for the NFL is saying that, to me it's like the worst thing you could even imagine in the number of aggrieved parties, including the players on the field, the fans, the gamblers, you know, the, the people that go to games expecting you know, that your team is trying to win, people that bet on games expecting that your team... Like the, the, the number of aggrieved people here, I mean, we're talking about like tens, hundreds of thousands of people potentially. Right. Am I wrong? Oh, no, not at all. And, and again, I, I also wonder at what point it spills into um, the potential for criminal mm-hmm. action to be brought. I, I, I don't want to speculate about that on the air because I don't know. Um, and that's awfully important. What Brian Flores is alleging is, is, in a, is in a lawsuit. This is not a criminal proceeding. Um, but could it lead to that? I, I guess we'll find out. I'm Greeny inviting you to try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with nationwide 5G on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. I have all these other things I want to get in today, and I'll I'll try and work our way to pieces of that. We also have a lot of phone calls out, and and we will try and get more insight for you into this. Uh, One of the biggest stories, I think, to come across uh, our desks in a very long time in sports. And we will continue in just a moment. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Nuno just told me we will get some of the legal questions that we have answered. Uh, did you say Michael McCann's going to jump on? Correct, 11.35. Yeah. So, and he's, he's the... Legal analyst, it's, uh, I want to make sure I get this right. Sports Illustrated uses, right? I see no, him on he's Twitter. actually a legal expert, expert at uh, Sportico and a law professor. Okay. Got it. I think he used to be at SI. Doesn't matter. One way or another, he's good. And, and he'll be able to answer some of the questions that we have. So that's good. And again, I keep meaning to get to some of the other stories of the day, but none of them, they all seem to just pale in comparison. I mean, this is so much more important than any of that. Um, and, and we will get some of the legal questions answered as we get to that. Meanwhile, you had another thing that you saw during the break, right? What was the other twit? The, the Hugh Jackson piece of this thing is interesting, but you were talking about a game that was played between Flores, Dolphins, and the Bengals, That's right? right. Yes, Greeny. December 22nd of 2019 is now, in hindsight, a game that changed the complexion of the NFL forever. So that was a game in which... The Bengals entered with one win, and the Dolphins entered with three. And if you might not recall, because it was a week six, uh, 16 game against two teams that weren't going anywhere, the Dolphins won that game in overtime. It was 38-35, to 35, and that was a game in which the Cincinnati Bengals clinched the first pick in the draft. They took Joe Burrow. They're in the Super Bowl now. But the quote from the game story is what stuck with me, and I think it's sort of illustrative of the person that it seems Brian Flores is, because after the game he was asked about it, and he said, it's important to win. It's important to me. I love coaching this team. They work extremely hard, and I want them to have success. I think that is important to point out. Go back earlier in that season. Pull up their season. What week did they lose to the Jets at MetLife on a terrible call? They got uh, they, 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 there was another game that they lost that year. Relatively late in the season, I want to. I'm just. I want to say I'm doing this off the top of my head. Week 14 against they, the Jets. 14 against the Jets. It was a, a, a very close game, right? And they got. I don't remember now what it was, but I remember there was a terrible call hmm. late in that game that cost them the game, and and Flores went nuts. And I remember coming on the air the next day. I wasn't back on the radio yet, but coming on Get Up and saying how much I admired that hmm. about Flores because that was a team that everyone at the beginning of the year thought was tanking, and there he was coaching his patootie off to, to try and, and win in, in that game against the Jets that, again— by some larger, on some larger level, they're better off losing than winning. But there he was furious that they lost on a bad call. Do you have the story in front of you? Like, what was the, what, I want to say it was an interference, like a blatant pass interference that didn't get called or something like that. There was a terrible call at the end of that game. I'm, I'm just doing this from memory, but I remember it because I remember how mad Flores got the final was 22 to 21 and I'm looking at the game story now to see what the what the specifics were yeah I'll read this while you're doing that what makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination because they offer free battery testing and charging and reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99 and they've always got your battery solution get in the zone with AutoZone um, whatever it was there was a call at the end that Flores was enraged about and it wound up cost because it cost his team the game and I just remember being somewhat, for lack of a better word, impressed that he was so mad about losing a game that some might argue they were better off losing. 
So, Do you have it? Yes, it says here, Sam Ficken, who's the kicker, kicked a 44-yard field goal as time expired to give the Jets the win as they benefited when an incomplete pass was reviewed in New York and a rare game-altering pass interference ruling on Miami was added. That's it. That's they, what it was. They, they reviewed a play and added <laughs> pass interference. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, and that ball, led man. to the Jets winning. I, I, I couldn't remember the specifics of it. I just What I remember most about it was how mad Flores was. Um, and, and on it goes. So anyway, off he goes into who knows what happens. Oh, by the way, he's still a finalist for two jobs. He's a finalist for the Houston Texans job. And he's a finalist for the New Orleans Saints job. And I asked him how he feels this will impact that. He told me that he let both organizations know before the filing, excuse me, before he filed the lawsuit, that he was going to do so because he didn't want them to be blindsided by it. And look, let's face it, he knows, his lawyers know, everybody knows that suing the people you want to work for is generally not a great way to get a job. (laughs) Because while the Saints and the Texans are not mentioned specifically amongst the allegations we've talked about, he names all 32 franchises. Everyone is, a, all of them are a party to this lawsuit. So he's suing the Saints, and he's suing the Texans, and he's trying to become their coach. And if he becomes their coach, the lawsuit will remain in place, which would set up one of the most certainly unique circumstances I can ever think of, where the coach of the football team has an active lawsuit against the team and the rest of the league. An NFL owner is not hiring Brian Flores this week. There's, there's no way that's happening, is it? You having to answer to all of their peers while this, right after this was filed? Look, the cynic in one might suggest that doing so would be a good way to lessen the enthusiasm others might have for the lawsuit and even Brian himself. Now, Brian said he's doing this for the greater good, and I totally believe him. And that he will continue with this. But let's face it, if he becomes the head coach of an NFL team, he's going to be busy. Right? Those coaches, the Belichick guys in particular, I mean, they sleep on the cot and Mm -hmm. they do all that right there. He's not leaving. Mm -mm. So, look, I don't know. We're getting into a a dicey area here. I'm not going to speculate about who might not do what. All I'm going to say is he's still trying to get these jobs while he's doing this. Yes, Mike. In a vacuum, the inclination would be to say, if you sued me, Hembo, we'd have a very difficult working relationship <laughs> going forward. So I understand your point. Um, that said, um, hopefully, um, you know, it, it, he gets a fair shake. You know what I mean? Like, that's all you can really hope for is that he gets a fair. Look, Brian Flores, I think, did just taking everything else. He just did a good job in Miami. Think about the seasons. He had a, a team that everyone knew was trying to tank, whether it was going to all the lengths that are being alleged here or not. Clearly, they traded all their good players away. And by the end, of that team was playing hard. And we had people saying he should have been coach of the year in a year that his team went, what were they, 3-13? and 13? No, they, they, they won five of their oh, last five. nine. They beat Brady in mm-hmm. week 17 in New mm-hmm. England, which kept them from having a bye. That, and that was a game the Patriots were trying to win. Thank you for reminding me. You're 100% right. We were actually talking about him for coach of the year. Then the next year, they have a good year. They're over 500. 10 and 6. And he, was, he was, uh, had the, the, the fortitude to be like benching Tua Tungavailoa left and right for Fitzpatrick because it was better this and that, better for winning. I loved everything he did. Then this past year, they start 1 and 7. 
One and seven, and then win seven straight games. That's extraordinary, I think, for a coach to keep a team together through a point where they're basically done. I mean, how many teams at one and seven fold up the tents? But they didn't. They won seven straight, and they were in the playoff chase till the very end. Then someone whacked them late. Who did they lose to by Tennessee. like 100? Tennessee killed them, and that was the end of that. But then they still came back and won and finished with an above 500 record. So he inarguably did a good job in Miami, whether he's the greatest coach that ever lived or not. He inarguably did a good job. When he got fired, we were on the set on Get Up, and the report came across, and I remember I said it on the air, and whoever was sitting, I forget who was there that day, but the group around me at the table all went, what? Like, wow. There was genuine shock and surprise. That was the Monday after, wasn't it? Wasn't it, wasn't it Dan I think it was. Ryan I think it was that first day. I think so. I think it was. And, and then, and then the, 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 immediately the stories, and this is what he's talking about. The stories coming out of Miami. Well, he didn't get along with this one, and he didn't get along with that one, and he's got bad personal relationships and all, the, all this stuff that is, in this, on some level, an assassination of his personality and character. And that's what he's saying has been happening to black coaches for far too long. So I get where he's coming from. So I support him for, for whatever my support is worth, which is nothing. Um, the, these very specific allegations against Stephen Ross, I think, are, oh. are uh, boggle the mind. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With that said, it is my delight to bring in a legal insider, legal expert, Michael McCann, who joins us here on ESPN Radio. Michael, this is Greeny. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thanks, Greeny, for having me on. I, I appreciate your, your making the time for us here. So l- let me go into a bunch of questions. I, I had Brian Flores on the TV show today. And I asked as many as I could, and, and I should mention Michael is the legal expert at Sportico and a law professor uh, in the University of Franklin and Pierce, um, that there are a few questions that come from this. One of them is, what level of investigation is, um, is mandatory when it comes to something like this? So in, in, in a lawsuit, which is what Brian Flores has, be, has, has brought here, are there such a thing as people being subpoenaed? Someone like Bill Belichick, who seems to have information that is relative to all of this and will want to stay as far out of it as he possibly can. Can someone compel him under some sort of oath to testify to what he does and doesn't know? Yeah, eventually that could happen. Part of it will depend on how far the case advances and how quickly it happens. So the key moment in this case is going to be the motion to dismiss, where the NFL is going to argue, and this is going to play out over months, so this is not happening anytime soon, where the NFL will say, even if everything 
Flores is saying is true. The problem with his case, they're going to argue, is that teams are acting in compliance with the rule, that they're not acting with racist intent. So we're going to see defenses come up. But if Flores can get past a motion to dismiss, then we go into pretrial discovery where those things happen and other things, too, where teams are going to have to turn over emails, where John Elway will have to go under oath, where text messages will, will be shared. Bill Belichick would, would be relevant. I don't, it doesn't appear he did anything wrong, but he shared a message that was relevant. Somebody tipped him off that the Giants had found their person. So all of these things would come out, including discussions with the league. Okay, that's an important one, but that's something that would take a long time. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know people like you hate to do, which is to speculate on something. Knowing what we know of this, is it your expectation that this case will make it past that stage where the league will ask to have this thrown out? Um, if, If one were to handicap the likelihood that this does get to the point you're describing, how would you handicap it? So I think a couple things. One is that the league probably has the upper hand in that the league has a defense to what he's claiming, and that's compliance, that everything he's describing, at least in terms of acts of racism, there's other stuff in there, uh, allegations about being bribed 100,000 or offered to be bribed 100,000 to lose games. There's a lot in there that isn't necessarily crucial to the motion to dismiss, but the league probably has an upper hand, but it's by no means a slam dunk. And here's the other thing, Greeny, if in fact Flores' case gets passed a motion to dismiss, you're going to see the league rapidly, aggressively offer to settle that case. And maybe Flores won't do it, but the league has a history of not, not having things progress. We saw that in the concussion litigation. We've seen it in insurance litigation. The league doesn't want what we just talked about and they find a dollar value to prevent that from happening. Michael McCann is with us, legal expert, Sportico, and a law professor at UNH. Let me ask you this then, Michael. What should we take from the league instantly almost um, putting out a statement yesterday when this lawsuit was filed in which they claim it is without merit? And, and, And the lawyers for Brian Flores, who are on my show today, pointed out there are any number of ways they could have reacted to this. This is a league that takes its time investigating a lot of things. But they didn't take any time before they released a statement in which they they described the suit as being, quote, without merit. What should we take from that? I think we should take as a starting point. It's a public relations statement. And we'll wait until the league's lawyers answer the complaint and file a motion to dismiss where we'll learn other things in terms of their defense. I don't think it's more meaningful than that. I think it's a it's an attempt to quell attention and controversy in the case. But it's a fair point by Flores' lawyers that the league certainly has a history of doing investigations. How could they so instantly know that this that all of these things in that lawsuit, that 58-page complaint that has tons of allegations of fact, how could they know it's without merit? Uh, it's a fair point. But again, the counter-argument is this is a public relations statement. It's not a legal document. Uh, it's not under oath. So we'll wait it out. Fair enough. Okay, so that, that we, we bring up... The next issue here, and you, you just mentioned the idea that um, Flores, and he reiterated on my show, and he was as direct and specific as you could be, says, alleges, that the owner of the Miami Dolphins, his boss, Stephen Ross, incentivized, offered to incentivize him to pay him $100,000 for every game he lost. And Hembo and I both immediately think that feels separate from the other issues here. So let me ask you, if... They, they get dismissed. The lawsuit is dismissed. Let me start with this. If the lawsuit is dismissed relative to the hiring practices 
what, if anything, becomes of this somewhat separate, extraordinary allegation that an NFL owner offered to pay $100,000 per loss to his coach? I think the league, at a minimum, has to investigate that. And it goes to the integrity of the game. We've heard Roger Goodell use that phrase, integrity of the game. Flores has used that phrase now. We heard it in Deflategate over and over again. We've heard it in other controversies. That is a dramatic allegation, a sort of cheating and tanking, and and by cheating, trying to cheat to get a better draft pick that we've never heard before. We've never heard getting bribes, right? We've heard teams maybe playing the backups and uh, players that that are good players that might have a slight injury, maybe sitting them out, but never actual bribes. And again, we don't know if this is true. This is among the many things in the complaint where it's an allegation, there isn't evidence, but I think at a minimum, Greening, the league would have to investigate that. The league, again, has a history of doing investigations. It has to be transparent about it because that goes to the core integrity of the game. I think you're 100% right, and I, I have repeatedly said on this show today as much as I can, these are allegations. There is no proof of this. It is important that we understand that. We don't know that this happened, but again, I can repeat that I, I pushed uh, and pressed Brian Flores on this as hard as I could, and there was no budging. There was no uncertainty um, he is 100% steadfast, and his lawyers say they have corroborating evidence that this happened. Now, while this conversation is going on, Hembo, you've been doing some digging into the Hugh Jackson here. Read to Michael whatever it is we have regarding Hugh Jackson, who was the coach of the Cleveland Browns during a period of time in which they went 1-31 and in consecutive seasons. What do we've got on Hugh Jackson here? Yeah, so um, yesterday, Hugh Jackson went to Twitter and said... Jimmy Haslam was happy while we kept losing and then responded to another user saying, trust me, it was a good number when that user referenced the $100,000. And then now reading from Pro Football Talk, the director of Jackson's foundation said that they had records that would support Flores' case and wrote that Jackson and team executives were paid bonus money to tank in 2016 and 2017. And Jackson replied by saying, quote, he can back up every word I'm saying. So... This now, all of a sudden, Michael McCann, may extend beyond one team. What does that mean? I think the league has to react to that. Separate from allegations of discrimination in hiring and firing and sham interviews, which are important, but this is an altogether different issue in the sense that it goes to the integrity of the game. And for a league that has repeatedly pressed that point, I don't see how they, they swiftly dismiss it to say it's without merit. Uh, I think there has to be a follow-up from, from the league on this. Michael McCann, legal expert at Sportico, is with me. That brings me to the, the the first time I said to our producer, Nuno, we need to get a lawyer on the show, is because I want an answer to this question. If there is corroborative evidence, it is it is critical that we continue to point out these are allegations. We do not have any definitive knowledge that the Browns did that or that Stephen Ross did this. But were there to be something that, that could be described as proof of this taking place, what would the ramifications of that be? Specifically, could criminal charges be brought against the owner in a circumstance like that? Yeah, I've heard that speculate. I'm, I'm skeptical of that. We haven't seen tanking lead to uh, cr- criminal charges, and I'm not sure what the charge would be. I mean, there are fraud p- potential. It just it would be, I think it would be unlikely to attract criminal charges, but I think civil cases could come up. We could see fans say, hey, wait a second, you advertise this as a competitive game and you were actually trying to lose. There, there's a potential from, for civil litigation that could come up, and I could see some states' attorneys generals 
say, well, you know, this is a big deal. You sell seventy to eighty thousand uh, seats to games. Tickets are really expensive, and this was all a sham. This is this is a, like wrestling, pro wrestling, where the outcome is determined. Uh, that that's got to attract lawmakers. How about the gambling element of it, Michael? That that's something that wasn't as universally legal then. Well, I guess this is 2019. It's not that long ago. How about the gambling element of all of this? Yeah, the tough part for the gambling element is that if you gamble, you don't you don't have standing to sue a team. That you you sort of take a risk by gambling. We haven't seen successful litigation by gamblers against leagues or teams saying, "Wait a second, why didn't you play him or why didn't you do that?" You were really trying to lose. The, the, the challenge there is going to be that, that a team doesn't have a legal duty to a gambler. A gambler is sort of free riding off the game being played. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Michael McCann, uh, last thing, and I really appreciate you doing this. It's terrific. Um, is there anything that, that the people listening to the show should know? Is there anything we didn't get into here that you think is really important for a football fan or anybody listening to this conversation to be aware of as we wait and see where the lawsuit goes? No, I think we covered it. One quick thing. A lot of what we saw in that complaint, we're never going to see because there's a very, it's very likely that this litigation is resolved before there's transparency. And I think that could leave sort of a bitter taste that this case maybe gets settled out of court or it's a motion to dismiss and we don't see a lot of this stuff and it will lead to, to years of speculation and, and wondering about what's going on. Mm. Okay, uh, well done. Michael, I really appreciate uh, this. It's the first time we've had you on, but hopefully it won't be the last. Thank you for making the time and and the insight. We really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me. Okay, it's Michael McCann. Um, And uh, I'd I'd read his stuff in the past, and he's very good, and and, and that was exactly what we needed. Ryan Smith was not able to do it. He's doing a bunch of other stuff. He's our legal insider and also outstanding. Um, But I I think for lawyers, these are basic questions. Uh, I remember my dad, you know, who was a lawyer for 50 years or something like that, um, you know, stuff would come up and he would, lawyers have a very interesting way of, of seeing the world. My father-in-law was a lawyer also. And, you know, all these things that we wonder about, they're like, well, no, you can't do that. You know, and, and yes, you can do that. And they, they just, I have a moment of levity here after what has been a very unfunny day for us. Um, the worst thing I hated was going to the movies with my dad and seeing a courtroom drama. Oh, no. He would never stop talking about how unrealistic everything was. That would never happen, Michael. That would never. Like, people in the theater are shushing him. <laughs> you know, people are like, we're watching a movie here. My dad is like, but this is ridiculous. Like, there's no way in the world a judge is going to get up and yell at that guy. Whatever, you know, legal thrillers always have, like, some ridiculous twist. And, uh, and my dad would be enraged by how unrealistic it was. Haven't you watched, like, hundreds of episodes of Law & Order SVU? Yeah, but not with him. <laughs> my, my, dad, my, dad, my dad and I don't watch that. He's no longer with us, of course, but he, I never watched SVU, and I wouldn't have watched SVU with him for this reason, because he would have been sitting there going, no, Barba would never do that. <laughs> I do love that show. Um, anyway, so where are we here? Uh, let me make sure I get one more thing in here, and that is that our program is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Where do we stand? We stand in a place where a, a football coach, a very prominent person, Brian Flores, a head football coach, there are only 32 of them at any given time in the NFL, has brought a lawsuit against the National Football League, which is one of the most powerful and lucrative and visible business entities in our country, um, uh, suggesting that their hiring practices are unfair. 
And that is most people, I think, when they hear that, suggest that there is, at minimum, um, circumstantial evidence that supports it. I mean, just very simply, there are 32 teams in the NFL right now. There is one black head coach in a league where you've, know, you've heard, seen the numbers already. 70% of the players are black and everything else. So there's just obviously something wrong there. Now, they have a rule in place that is designed, was intended to try and address that. And I believe, and I confirmed this with Dominique and Jeff this morning, uh, Foxworth and Saturday, who have done, when they led the Players Union, have extensive experience in negotiating with the league. I really believe that their hearts are on the right place on this. I believe Roger and Troy Vincent and Jeff Pash and the people in the NFL offices on Park Avenue, they recognize, they won't say this out loud for obvious reasons, but they recognize this is a problem and they've tried to address it and I think would continue to. But at the end of the day, Roger hires people to work on Park Avenue. He doesn't hire them to work in Houston or in Jacksonville or anywhere else. So that part of this remains out there. And the Giants, you know, John Mara is going to have to deal with this. And in Denver, they'll have to deal with this. And then in Miami, like Stephen Ross is going to have to He's going to have to say publicly that is untrue. And then we'll wait and see what the corroborative evidence that the lawyers say they have is, right, Hembo? Because right now it's a he said, he said. Right now it's a he said, he said. And who knows? We just read you all the Hugh Jackson stuff. Maybe he jumps into the fray. Maybe he joins the class action. And then you have the Dolphins and the Browns. I mean, the this is just a very, this is the tip of the iceberg on a story that could have massive implications. It does. It feels that way. This is a big day. I opened Get Up four hours ago by saying this is a day that football We'll never forget. And uh, I didn't mean it to sound flippant. I think it is an appropriate and accurate way of describing it. This is something I didn't know that would ever happen, and now it has. We will follow it as it continues to work its way from here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.